So we just wanted to start with a trigger warning. In this episode, there is mention of calorie counting, exercise abuse, and discussion of weight and eating disorders. Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that runs on coffee and gin, just like your grandparents. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Today we have Hope, Laura, and Lindsay. And we are also joined by our super amazing guest, Olivia. Welcome, and thank you for being with us today. Yay! Yay. (laughs) So glad to have you. So I'm really excited about our show this week. We are going to be talking about our relationships with our bodies, diet culture, and body positivity. And we'll be doing this with our usual charming blend of honesty and critical socialist feminist analysis. This is something that I think just about everyone wrestles with. It's so pervasive, and we're told so many messages about our bodies pretty much from the time we're born all the way until we die. And for all the talk of clean eating, body positivity, or even body neutrality, it can really seem like the only people who talk about those terms are trying to sell you something. Mm. We are super glad that Liv could join us today. Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us. (laughs) Thank you for caring about this stuff, and thank you for being here with us. (laughs) Yes. So I wanted to start out talking about our own experiences and what our relationships have been like with our bodies and our appearances throughout our own lives. And I'm happy to start. So for me, I was always a super tall kid, like embarrassingly tall, towering above all my classmates. Um, I had to play always like the mayor or like the grown up in the school plays when I was little. (laughs) (laughs) And I really felt that pressure as a girl to be little and to not take Mm. up a lot of space. So Mm. I felt very unfeminine being so tall. It just got worse as I got older and I eventually even quit sports because I was like, oh, I can't keep playing soccer and softball. That's like that nobody's ever going to want to go on a date with me. Um, (laughs) Yo, soccer players and softball players get dates. Let's be real here. (laughs) No, I remember being like 10 years old and thinking and just like readying myself at 10 that I would go to prom by myself. It was such a weird, like I just tracked myself to be alone forever. So I had like all of that stress and unhappiness with myself and then some other medical issues. Hello, PCOS that I just got diagnosed with recently because Mm -hmm. my doctors and parents were always just assuming that I was just like eating a ton of junk food and never actually did any tests on me. So Um, so we'll come back to that. Right. Um, And then family problems and a bunch of other stress led to me gaining weight. And then I felt even more out of place. Um, And looking back, I really did deal with this by just, all right, I've got to find other ways to value myself. I'm really funny. I'm really smart. And I just kind of defined myself on those terms, which it kind of worked. But then when I started being in relationships, I never really believed that my partners were actually attracted to me. So that was something that I just had to work through. And it was a huge issue because I told myself this story for so long. And I just always felt really self-conscious. Not being able to be tiny felt like kind of a moral failure. Like I just wasn't uh, good enough or trying enough. Thanks, capitalism. (sighs) The worst. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, society at large. Sorry. (laughs) The male gaze. Thanks, the male gaze. Yes. <laughs> G-A-Z-E, not G-A-Y-S. <clears throat> <Important>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it took a lot of work to begin changing how I saw myself. And honestly, it's still something I'm working on. I got a lot of messaging in my life about how important and virtuous being small was, but never any support or encouragement about being healthy. So nobody was like, hey, what actually are you eating and doing? Or like, you know, even like tried to guide me in more of a productive way. It was really just like the message, like you need to figure this out on your own. It wasn't actually until I had a partner that loved me and wanted the best for me that I learned how awesome it was to lift weights and run fast and feel better without any emphasis on being smaller. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. I feel great. And also after being diagnosed with PCOS, I looked into some diet changes. So I limit grains, dairy, sugar, and caffeine, RIP coffee. 
um, oh. and have <laughs> sad. <laughs> but I've started <laughs> noticing that not only am I healthier physically, but my anxiety is like almost gone because duh, my brain is connected to my body. Yes. Uh, it's literally yes. inside your body. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's been amazing. Um, I still get some odd feedback from well-intentioned friends. I've heard, uh, wow, you sure were able to land a handsome boyfriend or, yeah, or (laughs) wow, you do surprisingly well dating wise. (laughs) No, drop them. And I also really hate you're so brave about things that I don't consider brave, like wearing tightish clothes or hooking up with the lights on where somebody will be okay, like yeah, oh my god yeah these are not your friends these are not your oh. friends that are saying this yeah run in the other direction and also like everyone take note this is what not to do when someone is in a vulnerable space or just like existing yeah. just stop commenting on people in general yeah yes mm-hmm. <laughs> amen So my story is like definitely different than Hope's, but I also had a lot of feelings of shame. And I'll definitely go into like the fact that it is different, but I think a lot of the feelings end up being really similar. So I was one of the smallest kids in my class growing up, both height-wise and weight-wise. When middle school hit and all the other girls started developing, even though I had my period, I essentially looked the same. Um, I still struggle to find any bra that fits because I tend to be smaller than an A cup, but like my rib cage is like big enough that it would be a normal human body, adult (laughs) human body. (laughs) Um, I also had horrendous acne, which is another fucking thing that everyone tries to give you advice on. Like, have you tried this? It's super helpful. I'm like, dude, if someone is struggling with something, just don't. I can guarantee you that they've tried almost everything and that they are really struggling with that. I also generally was not considered attractive by kids at my school. A boy came up to me one time and said that my shadow was so recognizable and then proceeded to draw with his finger in the air what I looked like to him. So to him, I had a massive nose and a completely flat body. So he extended his arm all the way out in front of him for my nose and then pinned his hand flat against himself for the rest of oh my, my body. Who is this? I will what? Yeah. Why? Yes. Yeah. Destroy him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I like the fact that I still remember that is like, you know, obvious like how scarring that shit can be. So that can continue And again, I want to recognize that obviously feeling uncomfortable with being small is a totally different thing than than other ways of feeling uncomfortable. And societally, I definitely did not have issues in ways that people who deal with obesity and other issues face. Um, So I just want to be like upfront about that. But so this continued throughout high school and I always sought out relationships with people who were really nice and maybe that I wasn't even attracted to because I didn't think that I could or should even bother to try for anyone else. When I hit 100 pounds, my mom told me that she didn't hit 100 pounds until she had my brother. Uh, Now keep in mind, my mom may not have meant that in a malicious way, but to a teenager struggling with her body image in a number of ways, I felt trapped. I wasn't as skinny as I was before, um, and I wasn't as skinny as my mom until she, you know, had my brother. But I still had no shape whatsoever. I also want to pause right here and give a massive shout out to drama clubs all over the United States. The older I get, yeah. the more people. Yeah. <laughs> the older I get, the more people I meet whose lives were literally saved by being part of a drama club. Um, I know that's what got me through my body issues in high school, and I just wanted to leave space for that. Essentially, throughout my whole undergrad experience, I continued to gain weight. Nothing too crazy, but enough to start to feel self conscious. I still had terrible acne, now at a time when most other people who had acne were able to get that stuff cleared up. And I started to go through really intense waves of feelings that continue to today. So sometimes I feel amazing, and I'll go to the gym and feel really healthy and strong and appreciate my body a lot. And some days I feel like I'll never fit into my clothes again, and that while my stomach continues to grow, my boobs still haven't gotten the memo, so I feel misproportioned compared to a lot of bodies. I also started to more recently have somewhat unhealthy relationship with food. My depression has gotten worse over the years, and I have taken to food as a comfort, but then end up hating myself because I use food in that way. Mm. And it continues and carries over into developing 
bad feelings for myself in every time I eat, even if it's not overindulgent. So meals can be somewhat self-deprecating for me. I'm really supported by a partner who cooks amazing food. So that's helped to soften things. And, you know, I have a bunch of health issues that kind of feed into all of that as well. One thing I would say particularly to women and young women and girls is that you don't want to shame your skinny friends for being skinny and you don't want to shame any of your friends for however their body looks. You may think that they have it better than you um, and I'm sure in some ways they totally do, but mass production of the perfect woman's body is hurting all of us and the majority of us are Mm -hmm. still struggling with the basic concept of feeling good about our own bodies. I still don't know how to take a compliment. Like I often flip it back on the other person. Like if someone says, wow, Laura, you look really nice. I'll be like, you look nice. And I'll mean it, but probably deep down, it's also because I can't fathom that they actually think that. Okay. But seriously though, you do look nice in general. And just as a specific compliment, I'm obsessed with your new hair. Um, Don't say anything else. Just move on. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Much appreciated. In terms of exercise, I got really into yoga about 12 years or so ago, and that was my main source of exercise for a long time. However, when I became certified to teach yoga, a lot of the calm, anxiety-reducing factors went completely out the window. And I also became really frustrated with the specific yoga culture I was practicing in. I didn't feel nourished by it. I felt drained by it. So I stopped. Now I practice on my own and I'm going to go with Liv to her one teacher who seems amazing. Um, (laughs) But mostly I weight lift. I want to have big bulky arms so that dudes can't fuck with me. I love that so much. (laughs) That's literally what I'm going for. That's my goal. I want dudes to take one look at me and be like, nope, I'm not going to sexually harass that person because she will kick my ass. And I will. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, Great. So I'm kind of noticing a theme in all of our stories. Like every one of us has had very different experiences in terms of our relationships with our bodies, but they all kind of center around on like feelings of shame, Mm -hmm. which is really devastating when you think about it. Like I said, my story is pretty different from Hope's and Laura's. I'm 5'8", so tall-ish, but not so tall I was ever the biggest person in my classes. And also I was homeschooled, so most of my co-op classes were of mixed age groups and I didn't have to worry about ridicule on that count. But somehow I wound up internalizing a message that I should take up less space than I do. Mm. So I have pretty broad shoulders and I my self-perception is that I occupy an above average amount of space for a thin person. No. And um, I always kind of like tuck my shoulders in when I sit next to anybody just to make sure I'm not like encroaching on their space. Mm. So I just, I don't know, I'm like... I, That's also a very <laughs> like gendered thing to do yes. just in general, yeah. but like... Yeah. Totally. So, like, having good posture as an adult has been quite a (laughs) habit to try and form. I'm still not there yet, but, like, I'm used to having my shoulders, like, up by my ears and, like, in. Mm. Um, But, no, like, that's that's not good posture. It's not good for your back. It's not good for your neck. So I'm trying really hard to break my habit, but it's – I don't know. It's just – it's been something that I've done my whole life to take up less space. I also got – kind of some self-deprecating compliments from my mom when I was growing up and to this day, mm-hmm. um, which taught me that one person's beauty is another person's absence thereof. Like when I would bring up the fact that I have broad shoulders when I was younger, my mom would always say that at least they're wider than my hips on like hers, which is weird because I've never heard anybody describe a person as less attractive because their hips are as wide or wider than their shoulders. <laughs> I didn't realize that was a thing. I, I, <laughs> I also have not heard of thing. this. <laughs> well, you know what? I It sounds like our body types are quite similar. Like I'm 5'8", too, and thin, and I have wide shoulders, but I never <laughs> thought about it or even noticed it until, do you know Mean Girls? When she's, yeah. When she's like, I have man shoulders. That is what made me think, oh my God, I have big shoulders. Like, I would have never thought that about myself if they hadn't said that in that movie. I don't mm. know. This is weird. Yeah, and it just gives you a complex whenever yeah, you realize right. that it's a thing people think negatively right. about. I was like, what? I didn't, have, I didn't know I had to worry about my shoulders, and now I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, our own Katie Heron moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> even in this past year when my mom took me shopping for Barrister's Ball, which is law school prom, thanks to the listeners who helped me pay for my ticket. Um, yeah. <laughs> My mom would uh, recommend dresses, and I'd be like, I 
can't pull off that style. Usually it was like a one shoulder or like an off the shoulder one because those dresses are literally not designed for people with shoulders as broad as mine. And she'd be like, no, I've never thought of your shoulders as broad. You have a beautiful figure. And I'm like, it's a fact that my shoulders are broad because I've tried on clothes. And I really like how they look generally, but I know that there are certain clothes that aren't designed for my figure. And that's okay. Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't, I'm like, you don't need to be upset about this. Broad shoulders are cool, okay? Like, everyone relax. Let it be a thing, mom. (laughs) I don't know. Just know what kind of clothes fit you and, like, that's fine. Those are the clothes you have to shop for. It's not an insult every time you say, I have to look for clothes that don't have this feature or that do have this feature. Just, it's, ugh, knowing your body and making neutral statements about it. I don't know. I feel like those can be read as negative um, because a lot of people have – I guess the message there is that, like, broad, like, large features are masculine, maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the message that she's rejecting. And it's, like, makes me uncomfortable because that's not how I see it. I've, I don't know, kind of gotten past that. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Enough about my shoulders. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the summer before I went off to college, I started dating this guy who was like super into CrossFit and low-carb diets and all that bullshit. And uh, once I went off to college and had access to the gym and my meal plan and everything, he put me on a diet and exercise regime. Like I let a man tell me what and when to eat and how to work out. It did not go well. Um, (laughs) Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) not sustainable. Yeah, not at all. I mean, I remember like I was on a low-carb diet. And I remember just being so hungry at the end of the night and all I had in my little mini fridge in my dorm was like sandwich meat, slices of cheese, and sriracha. And I would make sandwich meat, slices of cheese, and sriracha little roll-ups and like eat them while sobbing because I was so physically uncomfortable and hungry. Um, Just (laughs) garbage. It was a really bad time. I also remember one time when I was sitting in my then boyfriend's car and I was wearing shorts. And he pointed at the stretch marks on my thigh and demanded that I explain to him why I had stretch marks. I'm seriously going to kick this person's ass. Like, retroactively. Like, I just can't fucking handle that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, he's he's a piece of trash. Uh, Just garbage. Um, But yeah, I have stretch marks because I'm a post-pubescent woman. But apparently that wasn't (laughs) a good enough answer. So anyway, that'd be a lesson, people. I mean, I'm hoping none of our listeners would pull that shit. But like, for real, though, like, fuck off. Don't make people explain their bodies to you. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, so that relationship wrecked me in a lot of ways. And as a result, I developed an eating disorder. I would count every single calorie and carb I consumed. And I would make sure that I worked out enough to burn most of it off. I remember, like, I... In my Facebook memories recently, I posted something, I guess it was eight years ago now, and I was like, I ate a net 568 carbs today, or no calories today, and I was so proud of the fact that I was eating an unsustainable amount of food and was bragging about it online. That's how unhealthy I was, and I, of course, I deleted the Facebook memory. It was just like a really bad headspace. I felt like I had to earn everything that I ate and I felt guilty if I didn't. I got a thinspo tumbler and I was obsessed with having a thigh gap and eventually I actually did have one because I also have wide hips. My goal weight and I've forgotten exactly what it is now but it was like between 115 and like 125 which is physically impossible for me. I weighed 135 at my lowest as an adult and I weigh like 155 now and my hip bones are still visible. Like below 130 would be skin and bones weight for me. Hmm. So after that, like after I got out of that relationship and was just, I don't know, dealing with shit, you know, getting into therapy, there was a little while where I couldn't work out because it would trigger my anxiety and I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. But eventually I decided to become a pescatarian because it was a way to feel less guilty about the food that I ate without having to restrict myself like numerically. Somewhere along the line, I figured out that I'm lactose intolerant and I cut out dairy because it made me feel like shit. Mm. And then four years ago, I went vegan. And while there are really unhealthy ways to do that, and I know that for some people it can lead to uh, disordered eating, I've felt like I can eat basically whatever I want as long as it's vegan because I'm doing the least harm that I can to people on the planet 
than I can with a diet. And because I have to consume larger quantities of food to get the right number of calories every day. Yes. I'm just, I eat all the time now. At this point, I don't count calories anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. I pay attention to how food makes me feel. And I base my food decisions on that. Like recently, I just decided I can't eat Cliff Bars anymore because they make my stomach hurt. And it's mm. literally just paying attention to how you feel after you eat something and then working with it. That's also how I approach exercise too. Uh, my weightlifting is pretty much aimed at lower body stuff because I really love having a thick ass and strong legs. Yes, girl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Slay. <laughs> um. <laughs> But aside from that, like Laura, I do yoga because it makes me feel calm and it soothes the muscle pain that I get from just sitting and reading so much. And I also pull because it makes me feel really proud of the cool shit I can do with my body. Uh, So by focusing on how I feel because of my exercise and not the numerical values by which people categorize their health, like calories and carbs and weight, I have a much healthier relationship with my body and I'm healthier in general. I think our bodies are really cool and they deserve for us to feel proud of them. Yes. Um, of course, I'm coming up on exam season and my belly is getting a little softer since I've been so fixated on school during the day and too exhausted when I wake up in the morning to, thanks to daylight savings time. Uh, thanks, daylight savings Yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> and I usually work out first thing in the morning, but I've just been like sleeping in every day and I feel like a garbage person. Sleep is like just as good for your health though as working out. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I need that reminder. it's really important to remember how fucking important sleep is. God, it's so necessary. But even though I've been like, I don't know, definitely noticing that I'm like getting a little chubbier, I I have a supportive partner now. uh, So whenever I get really negative and say that I'm getting fat, he tells me like, good. And it doesn't matter to him one way or the other. Like he's fine with my being more like toned and he's fine with my being thicker but he's attracted to all kinds of bodies and it makes me feel better that I can be chubby and not worry about being less attractive to him Um, and while I've had to divorce my self-image from what men think of how I look generally it's really significant that I have that voice spinning my own self-criticisms in a positive way whenever my internal voice isn't up to the job also I recently found this song uh, by Lizzo it's called Water Me it's incredible it's so good and there's a line and she says thank god thank god thank god i'm getting thicker and i'm like hell yeah fucking right (laughs) lizzo in general is like all about body positivity if you follow her instagram she has slow-mo versions of her ass clapping together oh my god um as well as like most of her songs are talking about like feeling good as hell and like She's just, she's just, a, she's a national treasure. She's amazing. So. National treasure. That's not an exaggeration. <laughs> a national treasure. Yes. Okay. Well, I have had probably the least tumultuous relationship with my body out of the four of us. I'm happy for you. Just from, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so when I was a kid, I was very active um, and I don't really remember having any thoughts, negative or particularly positive about my body until I was about like 14, like starting high school, when I felt like I was supposed to be getting boobs and I kind of wasn't. I was just still very flat. Um, I didn't get my period until I was almost 15, so I was very flat and very lanky and everyone else was starting to and I was like, oh, am I supposed to be looking different now? I hadn't really thought about it until then and then it kind of was stuck in my brain. So I don't remember having any really negative thoughts about myself or my body, but in general, like everyone else, I knew that I should be skinny. And if I wasn't, that that would be a bad thing. Um, Just kind of all of us get that message. Um, So I never really struggled with food, but I did have some trouble with exercise. Some trouble. I I don't want to say I had a really hard time, but when I become older, like um, 17 or so, and... Whenever I was participating in any sort of exercise class or exercise program, like if I was going to Zumba or I was doing TRX or something like that, it started to make me feel hyper aware of my body in a way that I normally wasn't Mm -hmm. and in a negative way. So normally I would just go around not thinking about my body, but if I was 
in the middle of some sort of class or like after class or if it's going to class once a week or something, I would think about my body much more when I was doing those things. Mm-hmm. And I would feel very guilty if I didn't exercise or if I didn't exercise enough or I would exercise, but I'd be very uh, obsessed. I, wanna, I don't want to use obsessed, but very consumed with numbers, mm-hmm. any numbers like sets, reps, calories burned, time on the treadmill. It all had to be the right in quotes, right number in my head, just whatever, I don't know, I was just very transfixed on whatever number felt good to me, I I had to get that number. So I don't really know how to explain it, but it made me feel very anxious Mm -hmm. and I didn't like it. But I thought that that's just how it was um, Mm. and I just had to do that. So currently I only do yoga and walking and hiking as exercise because it's something that I enjoy, it helps me feel calm, I don't feel overwhelmed by numbers when I do those things because there are no numbers. I don't even look, I don't even like looking at how far I've walked when I'm on a, on a walk. Mm. I don't like knowing how many steps or um, how many miles or something. I just do it and I just, I say that was a good thing that I did for myself. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was. And the end. <laughs> I'm not going to think about this anymore. So I started learning more about diet culture about four to five years ago because a close family of member of mine developed an eating disorder and I tried everything that I could to try to understand that better. I think it's something that when you think you know stuff about but when you're in it you there's a lot that you realize there's a lot there's a lot more to understand and I I should note in here that you know eating disorders and disordered eating are different and you know eating disorders are very complex and I don't have to tell you guys this but and they don't have one reason why they start. It could be for different for everyone. They have many influencing factors like family, your family culture, specific to your family, societal culture like we're talking about today, our genes, toxic shame, any of those things. So anyway, for me, I know I, like many other people, have internalized diet culture in so many different ways that I had never thought about before I started learning about this topic. Mm. Once you're aware of it, it's really overwhelming because you notice it everywhere. And it can, for me, I know that it is, it triggers my anxiety Mm. too, just because I relate it to like difficult times in my life, like bad feelings that I've had in the past. And, you know, when I see something that is just so bad and it's just like so like mainstream, I just get so upset. And, but currently I'm working on rejecting diet culture every day and learning to trust my body because diet culture essentially teaches you that you can't trust your body and you need all of those rules or else you will become fat. And diet culture tells us that being fat is the worst possible thing. So basically buy our product so it doesn't happen to you. Use our app. Use uh, the MyFitnessPal. Use this tracking app. And if the product or the program or the app doesn't help you, it tells us that that is your fault and you need to try it again mm. and therefore continue to feed the diet industry your hard-earned cash. Mm. Um, so Some that's how it works. Bullshit. That's Some how it works. Yeah. yeah. You, are never, you are never meant to succeed in those things. It, they are set up to make you fail so that you are stuck in a cycle, basically. And mm-hmm. that's why the diet industry is like a $3.4 billion a year industry. It's Jeez. insane. Yeah. So that is basically where I am in my journey, actively working towards a healthy relationship with food and exercise. It's an active process that I have to really choose to do every day, and I've been learning a lot about intuitive eating, which um, is like an evidence-based approach that to eating. It's like mindful mindfulness in eating, and um, it's like a sustainable, not harmful. Um, it makes and it makes you the expert of your body and puts you back in control when you're a lot of times when you're stuck in the diet uh, cycle you feel out of control Mm. so listening to you talk about some of that just makes me so angry thinking about the ways that we subsidize unhealthy foods make people work a ton of hours at a desk allow environmental pollutants into the air and water only offer prohibitively expensive medical care, and yet continue to blame individual people for not being able to fight all of that plus their own nature to make consistent, expensive, exhausting food and exercise choices. It just makes me really Mm. mad. It's so much bullshit. Yes. It's infuriating. That's really, really bad. (laughs) It's bad, folks. Welcome to my life. (laughs) It's the worst. (laughs) 
<laughs> I also wanted us to at least like call out and recognize that all these things that we just spoke to spoke about are always more severe and intense for women and girls of color. Mm-hmm. The picture perfect body for women often meant light skinned and soft voluptuous hair and the types of beauty products in stores are almost always catered to white women and you know this little caveat does not even come close to like the intense fucked up white supremacy that is also amplified by diet culture but I just feel like we at least need to like make space for that Mm -hmm. good idea all right this seems like a good place to take a little music break yes all right we're gonna do that and then we'll be back Don't be telling me what to say, man. Don't be telling me how to act. If what you say ain't made you great, then how you expect me to honor that? Everybody's so plain, everybody's so same, everybody's standing out the exact same way. We don't fit in, we got thick skin. Cats been bad since we was kids. I'ma be the creature that the streets don't have. So feed the beast, I'll cream your ass. Watch the clock. Times I'm a side like a mom with a chick, I'm a pop to the top. Been badass since my first tooth, and I don't need nobody love for proof. And that's the truth. When you think that way, you know what they say. They say I'm crazy. Everybody don't. I'm not a fan, but I'm a gambling man. I'll risk it all for the cards in my hand. Rather be this than the role you playing, cause you putting on a show. I'm showing who I am. And that's the truth. And I don't need no approval from you. But you already know. When you think that way, what they gonna say? They say I'm crazy. Now that we've shared our own experiences, we want to talk about diet culture and body positivity in broader terms and kind of dive in a little bit more to those ideas. So first, what is diet culture? Okay, I will tackle this one for you. In general, diets end our trust end trust in our bodies and teach us not to listen to our bodies when they're telling us what they need. For example, food. Your body doesn't know that you're on a diet. It just knows that it's hungry and it is sending all of the signals for you to get some foods. And we often interpret that as failure Mm. of a diet or I'm not strong enough or I have no willpower or those kinds of things. But it's just your body telling you that you need to eat. Mm. Um, And diet culture teaches us that that is like a moral failure, that you are hungry. Um, 
Diet culture is basically anything that promotes fear, shame, or guilt around food, your body, or exercise. Unfortunately, the diet industry has adapted, and oftentimes now we see a lot of diet culture masquerading as health and wellness. That's kind of the new thing they've... It's super fucked up. It really is, because they're smart, and they know they know what they're doing. Like, health and wellness is popular, so we're going to just infect it with our shit, and it's just really bad. So, <laughs> so, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad, guys. It's bad. It's not good. So some examples of the way diet culture fucks with us. Anything that places a moral value on food, for example, good food versus bad food, you know, vegetables are good, junk food is bad. Even the word junk food, the fact that it's like junk, it's not junk. It's all food has some nutritional value and you can have any food you want. It will not kill you. And more recently, healthy versus unhealthy and the whole clean eating, all of this kind of moral language around food implies that we are, that we are good or bad for eating those foods, Mm -hmm. when in reality, it's just food. Um, It doesn't say anything about us as people. Uh, Another thing that is so, so common that gets me really annoyed is all of the magazines with like quick fixes, for example, five minutes to flat abs, like 10 minutes to buff arms. And all this really does, the purpose of this, is to give you the impression that it's easy to do this. It's something that's easy to do, but it's actually impossible. You cannot get flat abs in five minutes. This is like magical thinking. And it <laughs> places the shame on you when you fall short and you can't achieve this. Mm, mm. That's what they're doing. So then what do you do? You buy the next magazine because this has the solution to your problem. You keep buying them. Another example is... Like restricting food or any food groups without a medical reason. So obviously if you have celiacs or um, allergies or something. So vegan or and or vegetarianism, I want to be really clear about this. Vegan and vegetarianism is restrictive in that it cuts out food groups. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily have to be unhealthy if you're doing it for ethical reasons or something like that, you need to just be careful of like what your motivations and your intentions are. And that's just something that you can check in with yourself with all the time. And you can work with people like if you had um, a nutritionist or something that you were working with because you had um, been dealing with some of these problems and you're trying to have a healthier relationship with food, but you also really want to be vegan for ethical reasons. That's something that you should just just keep in mind to always check in with yourself. Like, what are my motivations here? Is it is it a weight loss motivation? Maybe subconsciously, maybe just a little bit. Or cutting out foods that you're afraid of or something. You just want to keep checking in with yourself. Is what I've read. I'm not an expert. I think it's important, too, to note that there's a difference between wanting to do something because you want to be healthier, feel better, or even like lose weight versus being motivated by the fear of, I don't want to be fat. So like Mm -hmm. if, if you're like, oh, I, I don't eat, you know, animal products because I don't want to be fat, you're participating in the perpetuation of all of these, you know, oppressive structures. As Mm -hmm. opposed to like, I don't eat meat because I don't feel good when I do it. Or I noticed Mm -hmm. when I ate meat, I gained a lot of weight, which I think is valid. I think like wanting to manage, you know, your appearance and your health, that makes a lot of sense to me. But it's important to not do it in a way that sort of contributes to the shame of other people, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. Um, I think like for me, I don't know. I When I was first vegan, honestly, for the first few years, a couple of years, Um, I got, like, really heavily into, like, vegan communities online, and I just want to confirm they're all cops. Like, they (laughs) – they're not great. Um, Like, they will dogpile on people who are like, yeah, I'm vegan, or I was vegan, but I started eating dairy, or, like, I have chickens in my backyard and I eat their eggs, and, like, people who talk about, like, I don't know, if anyone posits some sort of, like – morality than vegan and they like mention that they ate a steak then vegans will dogpile on their mentions and it's obnoxious and it doesn't help anybody like it doesn't no. it, yeah there's literally no one who benefits from that situation so if you're vegan like don't be that vegan just, yeah, just don't do be it. that vegan just i know so many vegans that are so great yeah yeah, yeah. it's I mean, like <laughs> 
My when my best friend in college and I we went like there was like a international vegan day mm-hmm. or something like this in college and we were both vegetarian at the time and we we're like we're gonna do it we're gonna go vegan today and we just did it because we were like well we're already vegetarian for these ethical reasons and really all those ethical reasons still apply to why someone would be vegan but I ended up like needing to reintroduce those things into my life for health reasons mm-hmm. and like I was really grateful that the vegans that I was around were not judgmental about that. But, like, I swear to God, if someone was like, um, like, that's just typical because, you like, people just aren't strong enough or don't have, like, the... I don't even know what the fuck people would say, but I would just be like, seriously, just just fuck off. I can tell you the arguments if you want, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't believe them. I mean, even, like, to the degree that, like, I, I actually believe subjectively in those arguments it's not like it has no bearing on other people like how other people eat people's relationships with food and their bodies are so personal Mm. like yeah don't boss or like don't don't try and be the boss of somebody else's diet it's it's never going to work like i mean it's never going to be beneficial i've gotten people just by talking to them casually not by trying to force anything on them to eat less meat or to like try going vegetarian or like learn how to cook some vegan meals but it's not because I've made myself a totally unlikable person by refusing to have a conversation about food in which I wasn't extremely militant I've had this happen with PCOS too actually I have a good friend of mine who's vegan and she just got all her four kids vegan and she just made that change because one of her little kids had cancer and so her reaction to that was to like take them all vegan and they saw really good results and so she's always talking to me online about how I should be vegan but I have PCOS which means I can eat grains um, I have to have a really like low GI diet and, and I see my symptoms improve a lot. So if I'm not eating any meat and I'm doing that diet, I'm just eating like kale all the time. And it's just no. like, no, it's just like not, <laughs> it's not just right. not sustainable for me. If you can't have grains, it's yes. really hard to be vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. so I think, you know, you just never know like where somebody's coming from, what their particular yes. situation, what their genetic background is like. There's just a ton of factors there and like. No one diet works for everybody, I don't think. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes. That's, yeah, great. Yeah, it all boils down to, like, you do what is right for you and your body, and I will do what is right for my, me and my body. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think you, there's no place for any shame in anything to do with how we eat. So mm-hmm. if you're, and that goes for, like, veganism too like if you're making someone feel bad because they ate something like you first of all don't know their entire mental health history their their physical history like everyone just let everyone do what they want to do you do you (laughs) (laughs) all right another thing we're back to we're going back to diet culture now Um, counting calories or macros or any sort of tracking your calorie counting apps i recently not recently probably about a year ago deleted all any of those kinds of apps I'm not using any of those things anymore and I felt very it was very nerve-wracking to do at first I would just occasionally use them and I but for some reason I was just like I can't delete it I just can't I can't not do it ever but once I finally did it it really made me it was very freeing weighing yourself or measuring your body I see a lot in um like weightlifting things a lot about like you don't need to weigh yourself. Like, don't control yourself by a number. But then they're literally measuring their legs, and they're you yes. know, it, it's it's the same. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> and using exercise as a punishment, for example, I hear all the time, "I ate a cookie. Now I have to go for a run." Or the opposite, which is, "I worked out today, so now I can eat a brownie." Um, you don't want to think about. You don't want to think about those two things, like, either or. It, it's, I ate a cookie, I did something good for myself because I honored my hunger and I ate a cookie, and that's what I wanted to do. And maybe, maybe if I felt like it, I went for a run, and that's good because it was something that I enjoy and I did for my body and it felt good, but not as a punishment for eating the cookie. I really, not, 
love the idea of honoring your hunger. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. (laughs) You gotta. (laughs) You, You got to. You got to. Okay, so I think in the end, we all have to be very kind and patient with ourselves and others. For me, it's difficult for me to be patient with others um, because we're all victims of this insidious and toxic diet culture. We're all we're all victims. And me listing all of these examples of diet culture above, that was not to make anyone feel like, oh, I do this, I'm bad, I shouldn't do this. It's It's just examples and you can take that and kind of analyze that like about yourself um and it takes years to unlearn things and find a new normal so especially when I talked about um weightlifters measuring themselves I'm not mad at them like I don't want (laughs) to I don't want to think I'm like oh those people are bad it's I'm just like they are they're victims of this yeah I wish they could be we're thinking that you're just mean yeah (laughs) you're so mean so like (laughs) sometimes I get so mad that I'm just like oh is that coming off as mean? No, it's not. <laughs> no. no. We're here. You heard it here first. Okay. It's not coming across as mean. No, I have, I have this thing where like any metric by which I can evaluate myself, I'm all for. Like, mm. ugh, uh, my GPA, like my undergrad mm. GPA, I know, my current GPA, I know my current class rank, which we had to get by request. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, just, oh God, any metric by which I can measure myself, I will do and so for like a hot minute there I was like obsessed with my waist to hip ratio um Mm. like when I was working out and I was like really proud of it but it's not a good thing it was and like I said it was because I always counted calories when I was I don't know in college and would count my carbs and like count the number of calories I burned it's just I never really thought of it as another unhealthy unsustainable metric by which I'm judging myself Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really well, yeah it's really under the guise hard. of healthfulness right so it's like cloaked in this yeah. thing of like this is a healthful thing you're you're doing the best thing for yourself you're doing the right thing which makes yeah. it even harder to notice that it's it's a destructive habit yeah it's so I don't feel like you're being harsh at all Liv okay. I think it's just like <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> this thing that you're doing is potentially like long-term unsustainable and right. mentally unhealthy um, yes. and, and I never that, thought like people don't, it's so ingrained in us that people never second guess it. They never think about it until maybe someone says it. Exactly. <laughs> like so now. Thank, you. thank now. you for saying something. <laughs> yeah. So now that we have diet culture defined, I thought it would be helpful to have some more info about the body positivity movement in general. Okay. <laughs> Back to me. Here we go. <laughs> and so, go. <laughs> Body positivity it started as a movement to liberate and create a safe space for people with marginalized bodies, for example, fat people, people of color, people with disabilities, trans people, and any other people whose body is not typically represented or celebrated in the media, which are a lot, because there's really only one body that's celebrated. Yes. Uh, recently, of course, this movement, like many things, has been co-opted by people who are conventionally attractive, white, thin, able-bodied. And even more recently, as body positivity has become more popular by women who are curvy, but still fit within the mold of what society considers beautiful or an acceptable weight. For this reason, I think it's important to note the difference between body positivity as a movement and self-love, which I would identify with like that's the journey I'm on towards self-love because I don't want to take the term body positivity and like use it for me because it really wasn't meant for people like me Mm. everyone obviously deserves to feel comfortable in their body or at the very least feel neutral about their body Um, sometimes people who really struggle with their self-image can find a place of like peace if they feel yeah neutral about their body not good or bad it's just my body and that's how it is But many argue that the body positivity movement is meant to be a radical movement for those who need it because they face systemic discrimination and stigma because of how their bodies look. For example, fat people face stigma in healthcare. This is one of the worst ways that that they face a stigma. They face a stigma in healthcare because of their weight, which causes them, can cause them to fear going to the doctor because they don't want to feel ashamed 
or when they do go to the doctor, the doctor does not spend as much time with them or take their concerns as seriously because they just assume that it's the person's weight that is the problem mm. and it causes them to miss all of these signs. A similar thing with like women's pain, like they just dismiss it. Um, and they just attribute it to their weight when studies show that weight is not an indicator of health. And studies also show that uh, doctors spend significantly less time with overweight patients than with thin patients. As you can imagine, this negatively impacts the, over the person's overall health. And in fact, most of the concerns of obesity are not actually proven to be because of the extra weight that that person has, but because of the additional stress that fat people deal with on a daily basis from living in a fat phobic society, which we live in. Mm, um, wow. <laughs> the, yeah, there's a, so much literature on this. There's so much to, t- you could do three episodes just on that last sentence that I said. <laughs> like it's so, it there's so much. But to relate it to something that like all of us already know about, think about the ways that stress affects African-Americans overall health from living in a, const- a racist society. It's the same thing, but with weight. Mm-hmm. So that's how you can kind of relate it. Mm. So anyway, body positivity was started as a movement for people who deal with discrimination because of their bodies. So for me, I like to call myself a body positive ally or who is on a journey towards self-love because I exist in a body that is socially acceptable for multiple reasons. I mean, mm. thin, white, tall, like I have nice skin. Mm. I I have, I'm able-bodied, like, multiple reasons. Mm. So I don't feel comfortable using that term. And I'm not saying that thin people can't feel good about themselves. Of course, we all deserve to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to hate yourself. <laughs> but when someone is skinny-shamed, it's important to recognize that when someone is skinny-shamed, it's not the same thing as being fat-shamed. Mm-hmm. Yes, being skinny-shamed is mean and unnecessary and rude and wrong, but to equate them is to ignore the reality of what it's like to live in a fat-phobic society as a fat person. Yeah. And all of the discrimination that comes with that. Like we talked about discrimination in healthcare, um, negative stereotypes, encouragement to engage in dangerous diet habits in the name of health. I've talked, I mentioned a little bit about how diets are not healthy and they are not um, effective or a good thing to do for yourself ever. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, And also... Hiring discrimination. Listening to this, it's interesting. I was reflecting on even the process of doing this episode, but as somebody who's on the heavier side, I find so much solidarity and it makes me feel so much better in a way to know that this affected so many more people than I realized. So many more of my peers and my Mm -hmm. friends of all body types and kind of recognizing Mm -hmm. how the system screws the vast majority of us really makes me feel better in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a really good community. The body positive community is a really great community. Unfortunately, now you have to kind of like weed through, Mm -hmm. like especially if you're on Instagram, there's a great community on Instagram. But now you really have to weed through the hashtags of body positive because a lot of the top hits are going to be not what the Mm -hmm. movement is about. So Mm -hmm. you really got to find some people that you you like following. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So Lizzo. unfortunately, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying Lizzo. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, body positivity—the kind of message body positivity is for everybody or everybody—is a message that is very popular right now. And body positivity has been co-opted by brands to sell us things. Unfortunately, because it's popular. Oh yeah. Mm. Great example is Aries No Filter campaign. Mm-hmm. That's like classic, classic example. Yeah. I mean, I also would say just like, and this is not necessarily related to weight, but because I've struggled with acne my whole life, like think back to like every single like face washing commercial. That shit has been forever. It's like, don't worry, call now. Like when you used to have to call in to get those proactive (laughs) shit, like that's just so crazy. The people in the commercial always have perfect skin too. Oh yeah, of course. You don't have acne. I'm just like, I'm going to vomit now. (laughs) And then like your doctor puts you on doxycycline for three years. Uh, Anyway, that's my fucking life. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So basically... Brands are looking to cash in on a popular movement, and the diet industry is starting to adopt intuitive eating and body positive language, and they're getting sneaky, so you got to be real critical about it, and that's why it's really important for us to learn about this stuff. 
Can we talk about how dudes are getting sneaky and learning how to use body positivity? To <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about dudes getting sneaky. Yes, yeah, my um, favorite. <laughs> I'm talking like specifically about the like I love my thick wife post that was going around last year. Oh yeah, because um, like horny dudes are really really great at painting. They're treating fat women like humans as some sort of act of grace bestowed upon the woman as if it makes them heroic instead of just some guy who wants to fuck a hot lady. And, uh, like, <laughs> larger women deserve better. Yes. I think we can all agree. Um, yes. Like, nobody is better off when their potential partner or, God forbid, their long-term significant other announces to the world why they might be unlovable by anybody else. Mm. Um, our partner's bodies aren't inherently an untouchable subject, of course, but it's not an act of bravery to love somebody whose body isn't ideal. It's literally the bare minimum for any lasting relationship. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, he was probably feeling more brave himself because he was able to come out as someone who desires and loves his larger partner and wanted some kind of accolade for being able to bravely step out and do that. Meanwhile, she actually like lives her whole life as a larger person and he just seems like a shitty partner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that, that whole thing also got a lot of criticism because she was still I mean she was still thin she was she's still within the realm of what is socially acceptable for weight and beauty and everyone's just like you're an asshole dude like <laughs> like you you're done you have done nothing Brit. this whole post is about you and yeah she had, like gorgeous <laughs> skin hourglass waist like she yeah, was like just oh, there was gosh. nothing about her that like anybody would would say is unattractive except for i guess except him i guess but yeah um, (laughs) yeah it was all about him Mm, yeah mm -hmm. yes yeah she couldn't do any better than me like fuck off (laughs) i just want to be like of course you can. And you're go- you're about to be kicked to the curb, buddy, so watch out. Yeah. Also, in line with, like, cosmetic industries and, I don't know, brands and I guess just injuries- industries in general that make money off of people's insecurity, um, I think it's really important that we talk about the cosmetic surgery industry. Like, I think the last year that I was able to find information said – it was from 2016 and it said Americans spent $8 billion – on cosmetic surgery. And I don't think that that rate's slowing down. Of course, minor procedures like Botox and fillers are really common and they're getting more common as they get less expensive. And um, I know people in their 20s who have gotten Botox. So it's really hard not to be susceptible to that influence when it's so pervasive. And I've already told myself I'm going to get Botox at some point. Like a lot of people in my family have. And I'm like, well, I don't know what aging naturally is going to look like. I don't want to be the only one to do it. So I've, and I've also already decided that after I'm done having kids and breastfeeding them, I'll get a boob job. And part of that is that I have a family history of breast cancer. And so I kind of want to do the Angelina Jolie full double mastectomy replacement with like perky ones thing. Little perkies. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. But... But I think it's really, really shitty that the accessibility of plastic surgery has made me accept as my reality at the age of 25 that there will come a time when I will be so dissatisfied in my skin that I'm going to pay money to somebody to quote unquote fix it. And I'm really ambivalent about that. So I'm just wondering what you guys think because we can't talk about body positivity or body image without talking about cosmetic surgery. Totally. So a while back, I was thinking about having some work done myself and talked about it with some people close to me I'm sure this is going to sound like everyone I know is total garbage but we can't pick our families and (laughs) they're both like wow if you do that your husband better watch out which was so weird to me like I'm gonna make myself look so good that I'll leave him or like what the fuck also like what the fuck because already you're a fucking stunner and your husband already knows it and better treat you like a queen I mean like he does but like I will come after him and like I just, I just I love that um I wish that you know my family shared that same uh verve but whatever um but anyways I would definitely Lots do of it in this episode. sorry I'm realizing I'm literally threatening <laughs> 
I'm like, Brandon, I want to get dragged so out of my mind. To us. Thank you, Brandon, uh, we, for everything you do. We are definitely not coming <laughs> to Buffalo support. now. He's via ve- afraid. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But anyways, I, I would just like... Liv knows this because, like, she has a very supportive partner, and if she says, like, one tiny little thing, I'm just like, I, like, kill him. <laughs> I, like, start sweating, and I'm just like, wow. No, and it's not, like, he would never say real. that. I just thought it was weird that, like, that was the response right, I got right, from right. other people was like, oh, of if you get that weird. shit fixed up, he people better watch weird. out. Like, what the fuck? That's so odd. But anyways, I would definitely do it personally. I think in a perfect world, it would be less expensive and more accessible to people because I think there's a certain amount of emotional distress that occurs when you're outside doesn't match how you see yourself. And that applies to a lot of different things. I totally agree. I like when I was a kid, I I think I had like the more staunch feeling of like, no one should ever do that. Like everybody is perfect. But like, the reality is, like, I have family members who, you know, have had different levels of plastic surgery, and it has brought them so much relief. Mm-hmm. And the only nervousness I have about that is, like, is it the society we live in that makes us feel like our outsides don't match our insides? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, if it's just us being like, I want to look this way, then, like, great, look however you want to look. But also, I'm nervous on some level at, like, the deep underlying currents of that, of, like, why do we hold a certain standard of beauty, I guess, in that way? And, but again, like, we we can't change that society, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we don't have the power to do that at this point. So I think, for me, I, like, share the perspective that, like, if if you will feel relief and you have the means or, like whatever to to do that and you really want to I say like you got to do what you got to do because life is fucking hard yeah we're all just trying to survive and it's your own choice in the end it's your own choice about your own body I I would think like pairings and something like that with therapy would be great to really you know if you're going to do cosmetic surgery also try and look at the your relationship with your body with a therapist or something like that Mm -hmm. If you really want to get to the bottom of things. Smart. Totally. Yeah. I'm all about therapy. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Love it. (laughs) Yes. So after all that, and that was all a lot, and obviously we have essentially just teeny tiny scratch the surface. Mm -hmm. Like we have to do more episodes on this. Like it's not Mm -hmm. even a question. That'd be great. But let's talk about some resources because – the reason why I asked Liv to be on this show is because I, like, started going down the rabbit hole of, like, learning about this just from her, like, yelling at commercials. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, because I, I just, I didn't when really. When I told you pre- thin pretzels were diet culture. Yes. She was, like, because I was, like, I got obsessed with, like, pretzel chips that I was, like, these are so great for dipping. And she was, like, this is diet culture. <laughs> I just want to say. I retract that. I've looked at their advertising. I don't think it's diet culture. <laughs> They're delicious. They're so anyway, good. <laughs> it's just my initial reaction. Yeah. Well, anything that's like labeled as like thin, yeah, yeah. thin bagels. What the fuck? Yeah. Eat the bagel. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> diet culture. <laughs> You're gonna want the whole bag. You're just gonna eat two bagels. Yeah. <laughs> just eat the one bagel and feel satisfied. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm all about it. But so anyway, she made me really want to like look into this, and and so. There are resources, and we're going to link to, like, more in-depth stuff, but just so that you kind of have a general idea of some stuff that's out there. Okay. So the first set, these first two, are um, intuitive eating resources. So if you – I mentioned it very, very, very lightly in my part when I was talking. If you want to learn more about intuitive eating and, like, what that is – and um, basically trying to reshape your relationship with food and your body and rejecting diet culture. That's number one in intuitive eating. Um, there's a great podcast called Don't Salt My Game. It's by Dr. Laura Thomas. She is a registered dietitian, and she's super sassy. You guys would love her. She <laughs> podcast is called Don't Salt My Game, and they talk about intuitive eating and diet culture. Also, Laura Thomas's Instagram is amazing. It's Laura Thomas PhD. Follow it. Like, right now. Christy Harrison, she is also a registered dietitian and she has a podcast called Food Psych and her podcast quotes, 
challenges diet culture in all its forms, including restrictive behaviors that often masquerade as health and wellness. She's got a bunch of great episodes about all kinds of stuff that you guys would really find interesting. So, And then in the realm of body politics, there's a woman on Twitter that I really like to follow. Her name is Melissa Fabello. It might be Spanish. If it's Spanish, then it would be like Fabello. Her Twitter is <laughs> at F-Yeah-M-Fabello. And she talks about body politics, about beauty culture, and eating disorders. And she is a PhD candidate in human sexuality. And she's studying um, eating disorders and human sexuality with eating disorders. She's a, in recovery for, from an eating disorder. And the next person is Dr. Charlotte Cooper. Her Twitter is at the Beefer, B-E-E-F-E-R. And she's a psychotherapist and author of a really cool book, Fat Activism, a Radical Social Movement. And my last recommendation is Gloria Lucas on Twitter. She's Nalgona Pride. It's at N-A-L-G-O-N-A and then Pride. She's the creator of Nalgona Positivity Pride, which is uh, devoted to helping people of color heal from diet culture. And she talks about the connection between eating disorders and historical trauma, colonialism, and oppression. So it's very interesting, and it's like an area of research that is really needing like more, more yeah. people in. Yeah. Yeah. That's Thank all you I have. for all of that. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was amazing. You're Yay! Oh, thank you. So that's our show. No um, thank you as for having Laura me. said, we've barely scratched the surface. I'm sure we'll keep talking about this. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Season of the Bee. On Instagram, listen, rate, review on iTunes, slide us some bills on Patreon, buy our merch at seasonofthebee.com. We love you so much, and we think you are beautiful as fuck. Beautiful as fuck! <laughs> oh, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. You're just beautiful. <laughs> you're so pretty. <laughs> All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you guys. Bye. bye. Bitch.